What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. John Shahidi is a businessman, software developer, manager, and producer. He and his brother started Shot Studios, a management company that produces content and serves as the creative studio for top internet talent. In this conversation, we discuss data-driven content creation, how audience is the new currency, why Shot Studios focuses on YouTube, the importance of Shopify, creators as a micro-platform, and various monetization strategies for the modern internet. I really enjoyed this conversation with John, and I hope you guys do as well. But before we get into the episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. The first is Helium. They've built the Helium Hotspot, which is a new product that enables the people, not the telcos, to own and operate a wireless network in their city for Internet of Things devices. The telcos have had a monopoly on the wireless networks for years. Helium is now democratizing that ownership. No longer are we going to be subject to the telcos. Now we, the people, can own the wireless network. And you can literally earn crypto for helping to build the network and providing connectivity to Internet of Things devices by sending small bits of data. You can join the movement and get your Helium hotspot today with $50 off by using the code POMP at helium.com. I've got one set up and it's pretty damn cool. Helium.com, use code POMP for $50 off. Also, don't forget that I write a daily letter to over 50,000 investors about business technology and finance. I break down complex topics into easy to understand language while sharing opinions on various aspects of each industry. You can subscribe at pompletter.com. Again, pompletter.com. All right, let's get into this episode with John. I hope you guys enjoy it. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got the man here himself. John, thank you so much for doing this, man. Of course, of course. Thank you. It's an honor. I was excited all week to jump on here. Listen, you are uh, you're basically like the architect of uh, of content on the internet. You've been doing this a while, so uh, for the, like the couple of people who are watching this who don't know who you are, let's start with just uh, your background and kind of what you did before Shot Studios. Yeah, so um, we actually founded Shot Studios 11 years ago. So my life before Shot Studios was a little irrelevant, even though I was in the uh, the content business, but, but shot studios, when we first started, we were a production studio in 2009, um, trying to take talent that wasn't onto the internet and bring them onto the internet and going really after, um, like mainstream celebrities, specifically athletes. So, uh, Mike Tyson, Usain Bolt, Floyd Mayweather, Chad Ochocinco, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo were like early guys that we were bringing onto YouTube. Back then, the, the, the social media and the internet was really YouTube and Twitter. There was nothing else yet. Um, Facebook was out, but Facebook was private pages only, uh, you know, private profiles. So uh, I think we were a little early for our time because uh, the monetization and the money wasn't there. And the guys that I just named right now are like used to bags of cash up front for them to even like leave their front door. So um, the monetization was in there. We were just trying to build an online audience, which was a little too early for anyone to wrap their head around. 
So then we made a, a pivot to our business. We had a very talented team. We had amazing relationships with Hollywood. And that's when we moved to San Francisco and we launched an app called D Shots app. And um, we were trying to get into the platform business. We said, all right, so if we're trying to help the platforms, but no one's really getting it, let's create a platform business, which is what we created was a, um, a social network, which, which was pretty much Snapchat stories and Instagram stories before both of them incorporated stories into the platforms. We were the first, no, no comments, no liking, uh, no like counts, no follower numbers, just post your day. Don't overthink what you're posting and get on with the day. There was an option to delete it after 24 hours um, or, or the, the post could stay. The user could just decide whether they wanted a, a, a you know, a however way they had their settings. So we did that, but um, you know what happened to us was really Snapchat incorporated the future and if the feature and it kind of uh, hurt us. Um, you know we were you know sometimes we in platforms take a, a future. It uh, sometimes not all the time it it helps that platform and takes the person that was initially initially the innovator out of business. Um, most times it doesn't work when platforms just copy uh, features, but in the case of us it did work and it really hurt us. But during that time, a lot of content creators, like early content creators, like, you know, what you're talking, you're talk you know, see now is like influencers or whatever you want to call them. We still call them content creators. Um, we're really emerging because of the Vine app. So that's when we went to plan A. And instead of going after mainstream celebrities, uh, we said, let's get these early uh, uh, you know, these early, early stage content creators who really know how to build an audience in their own as with their own niche and, and help build a team around them, a studio around them, which is what shot studios is today. Got it. And, and so one of the things that you guys are super well known for is uh, you're not what I call kind of the dumb content creator, right? You're very, very smart and intelligent using data to drive a lot of the decisions that you uh, do. You guys were pretty early in understanding that um, I previously worked at Facebook on the Facebook pages team. And it always, you know, shocked me how uh, as we were there building this growth team, like there wasn't that many people using the data that was provided in the analytics to actually inform the content that they created. You guys pioneered that in many ways, like talk a little bit about like, what was the original impetus for focusing on the data and, and trying to use that to actually inform the decisions you guys were making on the content creation side? Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you talk about partnering up with an influencer or a creator, um, there's, there's, there's thousands, maybe tens of thousands. Um, so we had, you know, we wanted to identify people in two ways. One is what is a cultural fit for our company? And is there a real business to be made around this creator? And that's where the data came in. We would, you know, we have internal tools that we have built because the one th good thing is when we had our engineers with the Shots app, we were able to bring these en the engineering team to also pivot uh, what they were developing into more backend stuff. And we have access to a lot of different APIs. Some are open, some aren't open. And we are able to, you know, just build our own internal software to see, all right, who is really driving watch time? Who can uh, retain an audience? Um, who is growing in markets that we could use growth in. Um, so we're not lopsided with just a U.S. audience and we could tap into some of these other emerging internet um, markets such as Brazil, Mexico, India, um, some different parts of Asia. So, you know, 
but that all, you know, that the, the, the platforms share some data, but not a ton. Um, they share what's, you know, how you got here so far, but they don't really share where can you go. And that's where we build is, you know, where can we go with this person? Where can we go with this? You know, if you have 22 million followers on a specific platform, what does that mean? What else can we do? How do we go from 22 million to 50 million? Yeah. And, and so there's obviously a ton of attention right now on uh, content creators, influencers, right? There's kind of two buckets, I'll call it. There's one that is uh, like more, I think generalized is like the Instagram influencer who just, they take photos, they get uh, paid every once in a while to do uh, some advertising, but it's pretty much a single revenue stream type content creation. They've got a single account. What you guys really have uh, started to do, it sounds like, is build entire businesses or ecosystems around these content creators and, and approach it much more as they are a business, right? You already mentioned the fact that like when you're evaluating talent, can we build a business around them? And so maybe talk a little bit, just kind of philosophically, how you guys think about these content creator-led businesses and what that ecosystem kind of looks like uh, today when, when you're kind of designing them. Yeah, so we'd like to... If you look at all the different creators that we work with, and I believe there's 12 of them now, everyone is in their own lane. Everyone, um, you know, one is, a, you know, one could be a comedian focused on a female audience. One's a comedian focused on a male audience. Uh, one has a very large Middle Eastern market, which the Middle East market is really growing, um, you know, in the U.S. and, and throughout all the Middle East and, um, and North Africa. Um, one has a very large audience out of Mexico, which is a really a top three market for Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and I think it's Netflix's fourth largest market. Um, one has a large Brazilian uh, following. Um, one is being followed because of education. One's being followed because of music. So, so there's all these different verticals within a creator, and we're looking at the different verticals that they create content for and you know go you know obviously we look at the first thing that i mentioned are they growing but two is are they hitting a market where we could actually cross promote other creators so when there's a major collaboration it really benefits everybody and those are the things that we look for um those are the first two things we work look for uh later we look for look into you know and this is the hardest part in the influencer world is monetization you know, where, how do you create, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you know, um, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the third thing we look for. You've not got those first two, then you could, you could, uh, you know, control your own destiny when it comes to monetization. Yeah. And so once you know, kind of, Hey, this is the right creator, they're growing in the right audiences. And we think that that audience has a lot of runway, right? So you talked earlier, you know, somebody's got 22 million followers. You think you can get them to 50 million and, and you kind of understand the audience building side. How do you think about the monetization? Like how has that evolved over time um, given the various things that now kind of are available uh, on the internet? Yeah. Um, monetization is, you know, it's, it's, um, there's quick ways to make money, but there's also, you know, as we're looking into building long-lasting careers, we're looking to building long-lasting revenue uh, um, flows. And, um, you know, right now, you know, we, we, we get calls every day. I we even had two offers already this morning with just different offers on like, hey, we want, you know, you know, we saw you have this much engagement on Instagram, this much engagement on TikTok. We would love to pay to have these posts. Those happen all the time. And those happen to almost anybody. Anyone who is on the internet could get those deals, especially if you have a, you know, you're 
email address in your bio, um, then you know advertisers are just crawling looking for you. That's um that's the easy one. That's one I don't really uh, we pay, I pay attention to obviously, but I don't really I have a whole team within Shots that handles that part. What I look forward to is how do we build businesses? How do we we have our own audience we i look at a creator as a micro platform so if you're a micro platform how do we build businesses going back to the shots app we never when we were looking at building the shots app or when we had the shots app you know we had over 10 million users and you know we had at one point over 6 million active users uh we never monetization was never meant to be you know okay so when do we start putting banner ads and sponsored videos and you know, um, all these different things inside the app that everyone else does. How do we, you know, we were looking for Shots app and we're now doing that with Shot Studios is uh, how do we build our own businesses? How do we, um, how do we get into the merchandising businesses? How do we get into beauty? How do we get to food and beverage? Uh, you know, how do we get into other consumer goods products, whether it's a toy, a doll, backpacks, but how do we do this without one-offs? You know, someone coming in and giving you a couple hundred thousand dollars for a few posts and bouncing. How do we actually own that? How do we create our own Beats by Dre? You know, then those are the things that we think of. You know, um, you know, how do we create our own vitamin water? You know, and what 50 Cent did with vitamin water. How do we create these products for each one of our creators? And yeah, those are the so, things we're working on. So to me, this is the most interesting thing in all of the internet, right? And the reason being, um, a couple of years ago, I started thinking pretty deeply about this idea of like audience is the new currency. And I think a lot of people use that as like, oh, some advertisers are going to come pay me money and then I can uh, simply, you know, post or do whatever and I get that cash. But what you're talking about, um, th there's a very well-known author who one time said to me, uh, if somebody's willing to pay me to reach my audience, that means that that audience is more valuable to me than it is to them. Right. And basically I can sell my own things through all this kind of stuff. And they started to walk me through, like, look, looking for very specific types of products that were high margin that he could sell through that he knew that there was a, a wide enough kind of interest in his audience. And like, he was very, very smart about it. And it sounds like you guys are thinking through a lot of that same stuff. Has it been driven at all? Or do you see coral, uh, corollary kind of uh, analysis to what, uh, whether it's Kylie Jenner, Kanye West, like a number of these people have done where they already had built in audiences, and then they went and created a product. It feels like that's a much more repeatable, sustainable business model, given that you retain ownership of that audience, right? And so you can build multiple products and, and multiple companies and keep kind of bringing them more and more things over time, rather than just an advertiser comes one time, you advertise once and then they're gone. Like the company piece seems more sustainable and, and uh, repeatable, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, you control it. I mean, especially in the uh, influencer and content creator business is uh, advertisers are afraid. They're afraid, you know, and, and their expectations are so high because people are comparing YouTube to television. They're saying, okay, well, you know, you spent this much money on that TV show that had 2 million views. Well, I'm getting 10 million views. You know, so I'm five times more and, you know, and, and, you know, there's always a tug of war between the creator and the advertiser and then the advertiser eventually says, okay, someone at the office says, hey, you know what, you might be right, let's give it a shot. And then the conversion's not the same um, because people on the internet just don't want to see ads. They don't have to see ads on television. You know, you're, you're kind of stuck, you're forced, you know, unless, you know, you're, you're, you're previously recorded and you fast forward to it through it but you know or if you're, it's a radio you know station like you know you're kind of forced unless you just switch the station but 
on the internet business, it's just like, you know, the conversion is so much lower that, you know, then the advertiser says, oh, those, that person was wrong. Oh, by the way, look at this guy. He's now swearing in his content or he's smoking weed or he did this or she did that. And, and then, you know, and then someone says, hey, why did you do that? That wasn't children friendly. You know, and then all this whole mess comes in and the advertiser pulls out and we never hear from them again. So, and, and, and I don't blame the advertiser, right? It is the wild, wild west on the internet right now. People are just, you know, I mean, the more yourself, the better your content, your better your channel is going to grow. But the more yourself, the more, you know, you're less political, you're less um, phony. So, you know, it's not what the advertisers or advertisers want to see. They want to see the picture perfect version of you. So, um, so the advertiser said, okay, this is not for us. So then where does that leave? You know, when you went back bragging about getting 10 million views, how are you going to now make money? You know, you're just going to brag about the 10 million views and live at home uh, or live on your buddy's couch, you know? So that's, uh, that's when, you know, then you got to go and you got to create your own t-shirt and create a culture and a following and not a following the number following somebody that really cares about you and build and and have them join this culture have them join this click or squad whatever you want to call it and buy a product and now that money goes directly to you you know shopify sends daily deposits you know what i mean so you're literally making money every single day when you wake up how much data goes into determining what products or companies to build versus it's like the uh, creator's intuition and just personal interest? Um, I think uh, so. You know, it, it's like creating a video. You know, you're going to sometimes, we're even guilty of this, we'll create a video that we just wanted to do and it just doesn't register with the audience. And we'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until it's something that we're passionate about. And then the audience like, and then you see the views and engagement go up. Uh, I think a product, a product that a creator really wants to get behind is kind of going to have to be the same thing. Um, you know, you could take advice from people. You could, you know, right. Like right now, CAA um, has um, CAA labs where like they really take, I, I haven't used it, but I've heard about it. And I know the people behind it, they're very smart people. So, you know, they're, they're going in and they're, you know, they're looking at like your audience on across everywhere you are on the internet and pitching creators. Like we think your audience is going to like, you know, jarred pickles and, you know, and, you know, um, seltzer water, you know, whatever it is, you know, like, um, you know, I, th I, I think that could work, but at, at the end of the day, it really depends on what the audience wants. You know, if you're a comedian with a very low follow, uh, with the, I'm sorry, you're a comedian with a very young following, then maybe, you know, um, custom suits is not your thing, you know? So um, you just have to kind of, really understand your audience no different than when you're making the video or you're making the music is what does your audience want and the product has to be the same thing as shots right now we're trying trying to treat products like a creator you know and we want to turn products into creators um and that's why you know i mean i'm a big fan of this liquid death you know what i mean like this is content it is you know people laugh they you know they you know, they ask questions. Um, I, I had a call with their team last week about content ideas. And, you know, it's like, this is, this is content. This draws your attention. You know, it's like, what is that? You want to know more? I've read everything on this 
uh, can, all the labels and everything, just to get a kick out of it. And, you know, it's all standard stuff that they need, legal stuff they need to put. But even like the fonts, I'm looking at it. You know what I mean? It's just like got my attention. And that's turning a product into a content creator. And, and if a creator could get behind one of these and do that with the product and you have these two things, it's just, it's just that much more explosive. And you see a lot of YouTubers do that with merch right now. The, the best merch that sells right now is merch built around their content and their fandoms versus like a picture of their face with their name on it. You know, those don't really convert well. People don't really want to buy your name on a t-shirt. They want to buy something cool, that fun that you made that, is, that has been incorporated into your content. So then they're part of the following. They're part of the squad. They're part of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the audience that you've built. Yeah, and, and how much of uh, this is now being empowered by the Stripes of the world, the Shopify's, you know, all of these kind of infrastructure companies that have made it dead simple for uh, creators to actually do this themselves? Uh, or is it, even if those companies didn't exist, this was already a trend that kind of people were moving towards because you saw it happening uh, where people weren't using Shopify Stripe and, and things like that? Yeah, um, I don't think any of this is easily set to do if there was no Shopify. You know, it, it's not. You know, it wouldn't be something I would say just get up and do it. You know, because um, when you right now, when I tell you and you and you know your audience and whoever's listening or even our creators, is um, you, you don't have to worry about how to do this. You just have to do worry about what to do and what to sell. You don't worry about how how how's the Shopify has made it so damn easy that it's not even like like when we launched lilshop.com which is our merch site like shopify and building property shopify was like action item number eight on our like 20 thing to do list you know it wasn't a you know before it used to be like all right build a website figure this out and have analytics and you know figure out emails and all this but now it's like all right just it's like saying create an instagram account for the brand. It's just like, that's not an important thing. More important thing is what to sell right now, the quality of it. You know, right now that's the, the, the top three priorities to us with Little Shop and any of our consumer goods products is, you know, uh, build something that the audience loves, make sure it's of quality and have great customer service, like, like Zappos level customer service. You know what I mean? So the person comes back you know you did all this work to get them to go to the website and purchase and put in their credit card and you want them to come back and those things are what makes it important and shopify has made it a world where creators can focus on those three things and not worry about how do i build a website who do i call do i outsource overseas you know what i mean like you know i mean you don't have to worry that i spent fifty thousand dollars on this thing you don't have to worry about that you know because that's what a website would cost at the level of shopify when you're talking about all the back end stuff that they provide all the analytics everything you know what i mean like it's not just a front-end thing that's the back-end thing that makes it shopify what it is it's an absolutely incredible company and i think you nailed it in the sense of like it's almost a foregone uh thought at this point right people just oh of course i'm gonna have a shopify uh you, you guys are obviously creating content for all kinds of different platforms but uh, everything kind of starts and ends with youtube and then you kind of go to these other platforms uh youtube's been around a long time it's obviously got a massive audience right i, I think of it even as like the second largest search engine in the world but why do you guys spend so much time on that platform compared to you know, whether it's a new shiny platform that's come up or other ones that are, that are even larger in some cases. 
Um, a few reasons, and they're all pretty much equally important. Um, I would tell you, um, uh, for one of them, one of the reasons is um, there's no when you're in the video content business, there's no limits on what you could create on YouTube. You can make it vertical, you can make it wide, you can make it 20 seconds, you can make it 20 minutes or two hours. Um, you know, it's available, you know, the product itself is available everywhere, all mobile devices, desktop, um, all smart TVs, um, you know, Apple TV, Roku, Chromecast, you know, all, um, uh, Fire Stick, everything. So it's available everywhere. The product's great. That's, that's, that's one of the reasons. Um, another one of the reasons is, um, to me, you know, just being around this for so long, just paying attention to the internet for so long, it's the safest place for our content. You know, one thing Google does not do is it just does not mess things up. They, you know, yeah, they've had some flops when they've tried to launch things from start, Google Plus, Wave. I'm sure there was a few other ones that we just don't remember, but we laughed at them when they try to do it. But once a product is up and going, they don't mess it up. You know what I mean? They did not mess up Google search. They did not mess up Gmail. They did not mess up maps. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, um, these are all products that, you know, once it's there, they don't mess it up. They don't make sudden product changes because someone got fired and someone came in and, you know, came from here and convinced someone that this works. They don't do that. Um, so to us, like it's a safe place. Then another part is um, monetization. You know, uh, the fact that there's monetization and and and, and very good money. You know, um, you know, I, I'll never get into how much money our creators make because that's really private to them and they don't really like talking about it. That's why you never see us on the Forbes list. Um, they think it ruins the integrity of the content, which I agree. But it's no secret when you go and see what some of these top YouTube ma uh, creators make. They make that. You know, I've been to YouTube creators' houses. That you know that are ten million dollars, you know, in Calabasas, um, and they made it, and they I, I know the money that's being made there. So there's monetization, and the better you do, and the uh, you know the better you do, and the less of an asshole you are online. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Of course. Okay. All right. So I want to make sure you, you know say asshole. You say what? I, once I said asshole line, meaning like if you curse on a you know piece of content, which is what I did. So I hope I didn't ruin your monetization. But um, <laughs> but podcasts are different. That's the beauty of podcasts. You just now you can really be yourself. But but as long as you do, you know, you can make a really good living off YouTube. Now, is it safe to be dependent on advertisers? No but at least it helps you build that foundation. So you could go back to what we talked about with Shopify and all these other consumer good products and you could build products yourself and, and, and fund your projects yourself and not be dependent on advertiser, you know, whatever, one, two, three to come in. So that's another reason. Um, and, then, uh, and, then, and then one other part that's really important to us, and I always talk about this, is the people that work at YouTube are some of the greatest people in the world. They're the greatest people I work with. They're the people that when they call, I'm not rolling my eyes saying, ah, you know, because I, mean? I get a lot of phone calls, lawyers, accountants, business people, other managers, you know, other producers, all this stuff who call me. And I'm just like, oh man, I don't want to deal with this. But when someone from YouTube calls me, I'm like, oh, they're just, I, I don't know the culture, how they created this culture there, what Robert Kinsel has done to create this culture where everybody is happy. 
everybody is honest, everybody is open-minded that we work with there. And that like, that like drives us, keeps, you know, so we don't have to worry about that part. We know that the people that are behind um, the platform that we're creating on are good people. So we're just not ever thinking like, oh man, you know, and I've been in this, in these shoes before in the past, like, you know, I'm in business here, but I can't wait the the day I'm not here, you know, and that's never really a thought um, a lot of the platforms are really good people with YouTube who we've had this relationship with so long. Um, just that's that itself. And that's why I'm saying all these things together are equally as important for us to say, all right, we're a YouTube first company and everything else we're going to build, we're going to build around this. Cause it's important to be everywhere. You can't be lopsided to just YouTube. You gotta be everywhere. You know what I mean? Someone's, you know, addicted to TikTok today and it's going to spend hours on TikTok. I, I can't miss that person just because their habit was because they woke up this morning and got a link text to them to go you know, about a funny TikTok. And then they just got warped into this world of I'm just going to spend the day um, on TikTok. You know, I mean, I can't lose that person because of that. I can't control where they're going to be. So it's important to be everywhere. But at the end of the day, YouTube is, you know, the, the uh, to us, to our company, the most important. There's a reason why they're so big and they've been around so long, right? Doing something right. Uh, how do you guys think about TikTok and, uh, and Quibi's another kind of newer video uh, platform? Uh, what, what about those two? Um, well, well, Quibi, I, uh, we never really got on. Um, I just really wasn't sure. Um, I'm not sure about it currently, you know. Um, so it's just... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just wait to see what happens. And as they build their audience, um, you know, we'll just take a look. And if they have an audience and it resonates with our audience and we could actually, you know, get a jump start with their existing audience and maybe move our audience there, we'll take a look. But we haven't gotten there yet with Quibi. Um, and that's how I felt about TikTok one year ago this time. And then about August, September of last year, I saw, all right, there's an audience here. And, um, and our audience does like TikTok by us just doing, you know, some R&D work. And, and then we launched our TikTok accounts. I think it was the last week of August last year. So what, what is that? Uh, 10 months ago. And now I think we have, um, we have like 15 channels and over hundred million followers on TikTok in wow. just 10 months. Yeah. Like wow. we're, yeah, we have, you know, we have, uh, an account with 16 million, one with 14, two with 12. Um, yeah, we have a, we have a very large following on TikTok, and um, yeah, it's, you what know. Do you what do you attribute that growth? I mean, that that's astronomical growth for any platform, but even for TikTok, uh, that's super impressive. Like, why is that happening? Is that because you guys are better than others at creating content? Is it the, the content creators you have? Like, like, what is the difference for you guys to have that type of success? Um, I think it's, um, I think it's really us understanding the audience, you know, us understanding, spending some time sitting back and paying attention for a little while, who the TikTok audience is, and then, you know, understanding our audience and then doing some testing and going back to our um, development team and just having them to kind of take a look at you know, does us, does us posting on TikTok help us in other places? And the answer is yes, specifically on Instagram. It really helps us with our Instagram growth and our Instagram growth helps us with our YouTube growth. So does that help? And the team came back and said, yeah, we said, all right, cool. Then that's when we put the foot down 
on the gas and said, let's just go big. And explain that more. When you say TikTok helps you grow Instagram and Instagram helps you grow YouTube, how, how are those connected? Well, they discover you because it's a whole different world. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Um, when it's a whole different world of people on TikTok, but it's a world that understands us. So we're getting a lot of eyeballs on people who've never seen us anywhere else and are coming to us, um, you know, finding us on TikTok and seeing that, oh, I like this guy. I like his content or her content um, or the, her as a person or whatever it is. I want more. Well, I don't want to wait till tomorrow till they post again. Where else are they? And, and then TikTok has that feature where you could click on someone's Instagram profile and it deep links you to the Instagram map. Oh, great. They're posting something completely different, different side of this person. I knew I liked this person. Glad I did this. Who is this person? Let me read more. Go link in bio, YouTube link. Oh, wow. YouTube video. This is going to be long. Oh my God. I really love this person. YouTube link. You know, dang, this video is great. I want to subscribe. Turn on notifications. And, and now you've got this person who start, found you on TikTok. It's got deep link to Instagram. Click the link in bio. Almost all our links in bios are YouTube videos. And, um, and came to YouTube. And now we got them you know, on three different platforms. Yeah. And, and then it feels like you guys have done a great job kind of doing this for video. I know that uh, another area you guys are focused on moving forward is podcast. Uh, you've built mm -hmm. out a podcast studio. You're going to go kind of build that as one of the pillars of, uh, of the business. What's the uh, intrigue or, or fascination with audio and, and the whole podcast world? Yeah. So that, um, that world that I just told you about, come, let's just say like, that's kind of the cycle. Let me find you on TikTok, the hottest app out right now by far. Um, then let me see more about you on Instagram. Then let me go see even more and watch you more on YouTube and subscribe. We don't want to lose them there, you know, but you've already showed them a short video, probably something funny in 15 seconds. You show them a bunch of photos. You show them a longer video. What else? You really want to learn about this person? You really want to know now that you're really, you know, fascinated with this person? Well, hear their brain, you know, subscribe. Now go to wherever, Spotify, wherever. And now here, you know, here's a clip on YouTube. Go listen to this person on Spotify, Apple, wherever. You listen to podcasts. And here's a one hour of this person, raw and uncut. You know, so it kind of goes to that cycle. And while you're there, you know, go buy their t-shirt. <laughs> really be in this person's world. You know, you're in their brain. You see what they like. You see what their interests are. You're part of their squad now with your, your merch, your, your, your shirt, your hoodie, your hat. And, you know, and now you're part of this person's life. You know, now you got a friend. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, how do you think about the different types of content on these platforms? So video, obviously, um, is a very specific medium, right? And so you can change the types of content that you post on a, a TikTok, a YouTube, an Instagram. Like, there's different lengths. There's different types of content that does well on each of those. Audio is a whole different ballgame, right? And maybe Agreed. you can take a you know podcast and, and you do a video and post it on YouTube or something like that. But for the audio-only platforms, 
how do you think about uh, a different type of content? Meaning like, what is the creators who are really good at video and on these uh, kind of more traditional platforms, what are they thinking about creating in the audio medium? Yeah, I think um, in the audio world, and you know, I, I have to throw out this disclaimer that I'm still learning and our team is still learning and we're hiring people to run our audio side that have ex more experience than I do or than my brother, who's my, who's the co-founder of the company do. Um, and we've hired some really great people. We have a, we have an amazing partnership with Spotify that was announced earlier this year with the podcast that we're doing with Lele Pons and Spotify has been beyond helpful as well to helping us learn. But the one thing I've got to say, and the reason why I even agree to come on your podcast is people who your audience is tuning in right now to learn something. And, you know, I could come in and talk about all the cool thing I've, the cool things I've done and all the cool people I know and all the great life that I have, but the podcast audience is really tuned in right now to learn something. When you, uh, when you interviewed Alex um, from BuzzFeed, uh, or formerly at BuzzFeed, but, uh, big technology, um, Shervin, Pishavar, uh, Taylor Lorenz, you know, these are all former um, episodes of your podcast that I listened to. I didn't listen to to know about them. They're all three of them are actually my friends. I talk to them all the time. I know what they're up to. You know what I mean? I know Taylor's moving out of her apartment in New York City and going to another place. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know Alex is starting up his own thing, but I learned something from each one of those podcasts. I learned, you know, I learned so much from all three of them, completely different things too. Three different people, three different businesses, but they are, you know, they, they got my attention because they sparked my interest. And that's what we've got to learn with our audience is what do they want to learn? You know, are we going to come and Layla's going to talk about how great her birthday party in Miami's been and how much fun she's having? Or is she going to actually like, someone going to walk away and, and say, wow, I did not know that. That was really interesting because that's when they go talk. You know, these are all like conversation icebreakers. That's when they go talk. I do it all the time. I learn something from a podcast and I'll go back to my best friend who's my fiance. And I just, you know, I'll say something. And she's like, well, how do you know that? I was like, I was listening to this podcast, you know, and I, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's what people really want out of podcasts. And that's what we're learning right now. And that's what we're, that's why we're building this. It's a whole different side of us that, no one's been able to get anywhere else that they're going to get um, with, with the podcast studio that we're building. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and I think you're right in the sense of um, because it's usually longer form and it's audio, uh, there's definitely this learning element. What I've been thinking a lot about, and I don't have the answer to, is uh, how interchangeable audio content is. So, for example, uh, I know a lot of people a couple of years ago with like the rise of Audible and things would say, hey, look, I don't really read books as much. I actually listen to them. So they started to get really big into audiobooks. It feels like now podcast and audiobooks in some way compete with each other for time because both of them are learning, but it's not you know, one's a book that's kind of very well thought out. The other is either an individual kind of, you know, uh, sharing content one-to-one -one, uh, or they're interviewing somebody, right? It, feel, it just feels like it's a kind of a, an updated book or audio book to some degree in some weird way. Um, how do you think about uh, the creators you guys have or a lot of comedians or kind of comedy focused content? How do they teach or, or do education being kind of more of the, the, the humor side of, uh, of content creation. Yeah. So, you know, I got to find a different word than education. When I'm, when I'm talking about education, you're not going to like tune in and you're not going to learn from 
Lele's podcast, you know, um, how a Tesla is built, you know, like that's not the kind of um, education, you know, you're going to learn something else. She might teach somebody, um, she might teach somebody the, you know, her audience, right? Cause, cause it would be awesome to listen for me or maybe even you to listen to a podcast that talks about how Tesla, it really is built. Uh, where do they get the materials from? Where, you know, what kind of metals are they using? Where are they mined? You know, all this stuff would be really interesting to me, but not Lele's audience. Lele's audience might want to learn what are the best times to post on TikTok, you know, to go viral? You know, what are the best times to post on Instagram? Should I post videos or should I post photos on Instagram? What should the ratio be? You know, and that's her audience. And those are things that we're learning for each one of the podcasts that we're launching with each one of the creators is what does each person's audience want to learn? Uh, in the case of Rudy Mancuso, when he gets around doing a podcast, he might talk about how to direct a, a YouTube video or and, and then how to direct a YouTube video that's 40 minutes long, how to direct a YouTube video that's one hour long and how to get off YouTube and direct a film that's an hour and a half that could go somewhere outside of YouTube. You know, people want to learn those things, um, especially in a world now with, um, sadly, you know, almost over 50 million um, unemployed Americans. People are going to look to the internet and say, okay, um, I don't think my restaurant's going to open up anytime soon. Um, I've got a couple of mouths to feed. I keep hearing about YouTubers making all this money. I feel like I'm interesting. I've never seen anyone do anything that's in, that my brain is generating to, to me. How do I start? Where, where do I start? Where do I, you know, what do I do? What, what, what cameras are these guys using? What, you know what I mean? Like, and imagine a podcast that could break all that down for you. And, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, whenever it's time to go back to work and trying to compete with 50 million other people to get a job back. What if you controlled your own destiny? Where do you start? And I think, you, you know, if, if someone like Rudy could create a podcast like that or anybody, maybe one of your listeners could create a podcast like that, they've got something there. And I think those are the things that make podcasts so beautiful is that now you have all different verticals of podcasts. You have talk shows, you have, um, you know, the, the crime stuff, you know, you have, these other ones, but to me, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to take the things that we have learned over the years and share with, um, share them with the world. Yeah. And, and so how do you think about, um, I'll call kind of the, um, uh, the maturation or, or the rise of a content creator, right? So many of the content creators that you work with, uh, start out on Vine, for example. Then they've kind of moved over to YouTube. They've built these big followings. Uh, TikTok comes out, they build a big following there. We've talked a lot about kind of how you monetize that, but there's also seems, at least from the outsider view looking in, um, certain inflection points from the the popularity or the audience, right? So things like getting a Netflix show or getting onto traditional television. Um, are those things actually in the eyes of the creator and in the eyes of you guys, uh, seen as kind of uh, further along in the maturation uh, and popularity of a creator? Or is that more of just the external folks think that getting on television or getting a Netflix show is a big deal, but actually the creators, they're not even really worried about that stuff or, or aspire to do that? It really depends on the creator's interest and what they want to do, whether it's what their heart wants to do or what their talent allows them to do. Um, 
It really depends. You know, we look at our company, you know, it's centered in the middle is YouTube. And then outside of YouTube, we have all these other ancillary businesses that Shots is building. And they're all like really based around what we feel like the world needs. Um, you know, one part is music, one part's podcast, one part's merchandise, one part's consumer goods product, one part is other social networks. You know, we have all these different ancillary businesses that are built around YouTube. And oh, I'm sorry, and then there's a six part. So it's really six, and there's television and film. Um, and it really depends on what the creator wants to do. Uh, we had tour, touring as one of them. It's been a, a little bit on hold, but it really depends on what the creator wants to do. You know, what we do is we help them build. We help all our, all our creators build their YouTube channels. We build our own YouTube channels. We have our own completely different original side that is really one to have originals ourselves for the company, for ideas that you know we could create and experiment and then share with all our other 12 channels to help evolve the channels as well. This is also, that's something I also always think about is, you know, there is a time where someone gets over somebody, you know, just because they subscribe to you at 14 years old does not mean that they want to watch you when they're 17 years old, just because they subscribe to you when they were 18 years old does not mean that they want to watch what you're creating at 21 years old. People age up. So we create all these other business, uh, these, uh, these other co uh, content, which we call Shots Originals, to, um, to really experiment other types of content so all our channels together can start growing. Um, so it really depends on where the creator wants to go. You know, they might have some other random idea, but we have all these different businesses within Shots that a creator could really do whatever they want. If they want to get, become a musician, we have a whole record label that has songwriters, producers, relationships with all platforms, radio stations. Um, uh, obviously we have our own video production company and shot studio so they, they can make a music video, um, everything, everything, you know, every, everything if someone wants to become an artist. We have a podcast studio now with now, as I mentioned, a, a team of producers that have come from different um, very successful podcasts that could help someone if they have an idea of a podcast, we could build it. Yeah, and, and so you sit in a very interesting place, I think, because you've got uh, folks who uh, started out unknown and, and relatively small, uh, but have built incredible careers and incredible audiences in the tens of millions uh, in terms of content creation on the internet. You also uh, are very close with people that I would consider uh, more traditional celebrities, right? So this is the Justin Bieber's, the Floyd Mayweather's, and, and kind of that entire uh, group of people who really kind of got popular, not on the internet social media platforms, but because of the nature of what they do, they've got to be on those platforms, right? So you see they've got these massive followings. How do you think about the difference in approach for somebody who's built their popularity and celebrity on the platforms versus somebody who built it elsewhere and then kind of creates content as a uh, kind of a secondary piece to what they, their career has actually, um, you know, grown into? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Floyd and Justin, I met uh, both during phase one of our business when we had the studio at first um, with Floyd, he always was a believer in us creating this content around different celebrities, including himself, which we launched his YouTube channel many years ago, maybe almost 10 years ago. Um, and, and Justin, like I remember my first time I um, not met Justin, but first time I talked to him about 
the business was, um, you know, we were going to build like a cartoon studio and we were going to create cartoons with, um, with, with, uh, different celebrities. Um, and, and then right around then is when they both actually invested in the company. Um, shortly after they invested, we realized that this phase is not working right now. And then we launched the app, which they were okay. You know, they were perfectly fine with the pivot and they actually said, we actually maybe like this idea more. The, the app sounds great. And the, the product, they saw the product and they loved the product. The product was flawless at the time. Like it was next level. Like the team, they're up since still in San Francisco and I always pay attention to other things they're building, like the best out there. Um, some of the apps, major apps right now that most people really love were built by the team that actually created shots. They've moved on, obviously not working with us, but um, you know, and then, and then the app and then, and then when it was time to go back to square phase one, I, I don't know why I'm seeing phase, like it's coronavirus, but you know, but, but it's, you know, but, but plan a, you know, um, they, um, you know, they, they were all about it and they were supportive and, you know, they've just been real big supporters as in both investors and moral support um, with us to creating, to allowing us to create what we do. And that's why we have such a great relationship with both of them. Um, I'm going to say I talk to both of them, maybe, um, I don't know, seven days a week, you know, uh, Floyd, definitely. I mean, twice a day, usually um, just different things. He always has ideas and we bounce off each other and, um, you know, then he's asking about the company and what I've been up to and, you know, how was the day and what's tomorrow look like and whatnot. And, you know, Justin does the same as well. They, you know, Justin uh, obviously follows all our social accounts. When we post something about a specific project, he always, always the first to call him. He's like, Hey, what is this about? Well, how, you know, what is, how's this tying everything? How's, you know, this and that, you know, you said it's a teaser. Can I see the full thing and all that? So they're both incredible and been, I think Lloyd invested in the company in 2010 and Justin invested in the company in 2000. 12 or 2013 i don't remember and you know it's been quite some time they've been so supportive of everything yeah that's awesome and, and it feels also like uh a lot of the more traditional uh celebrities whether they're musicians artists athletes whatever they've gotten much much smarter over the years about how uh, not only one they can build the online audiences but two also monetize them as well right and you mentioned a couple earlier you know the 50 cent with the vitamin water and things like that how do you think about uh, creators as investors, right? Because I think one of the things that um, is already interesting is like, hey, I can build these companies or I can use my audience. Another thing is I can take capital that I have. I can invest it into a startup, a company, whatever, and then I can help them get to my audience, right? But I'm doing it not as the majority owner, just as a minority owner. Like, what has that conversation been like, if at all, with, uh, with creators? It really, I mean, that all really depends on the creator or the celebrity and the brand. You know, it doesn't um, always make sense, um, but sometimes it does. You know, I, I think Shervin was one that really understood, okay, I've got this company, um, whether it was through his phone or when he worked at uh, Menlo, was like, I've got this company and um, I know the perfect person that can actually help this company. And, you know, he would, you know, fly down in Los Angeles. I remember those days, like you would fly down Los Angeles and have meetings with the right people that were great for that brand, for that product, for that company. So he would always bring very, very smart entertainment money into the startup. And, um, and I think a lot of people have followed um, that path and a lot of people have done it, but some people still do it wrong. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense, you know, a, for a 
let's say a YouTuber who has a very young audience that watches him or her because they do pranks to invest in a medical device company. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes, but it happens, you know, sometimes, you know, the medical device company gets excited because the person has a lot of followers on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And then this other person is sold on like, Hey, you know, your 50 grand could become $10 million. This is how you invest. You could be part of Silicon Valley. And then this is a like forced relationship and it just never really works. And then the creator gets over it because they posted about it and no one, you know, they call up the company and say, how did it do? It's like, I didn't convert, you know, you're not the right person. And then creators like, well, why am, what do you mean? I'm not the right person. You know who I am. You know what I mean? It becomes this big, weird thing. And then there's all this resentment built in, you know, like, and I think that's one thing that Shervin did a great job with. I know there's a lot of firms that have done a great job with it. And I'm just not thinking of who they are, but Shervin was always, the one I remember um, really like pushing hard for um, companies that he had investment to fly down to LA and meet with the, the, the perfect you know, partner. Yeah, that's awesome. And then how do you and the, uh, and the creators that you work with think about uh, kind of the legacy media, right? In terms of uh, we're now seeing um, specific reporters focusing on internet culture, right? So Taylor Lorenz at New York Times is obviously mm-hmm. uh, probably the leader there. Um, but, but how have you guys thought about that, given that uh, many of the creators are able to build such large audiences and talk directly to them via these other platforms? Like, is that even part of the strategy to leverage uh, the legacy media and some of the, the more kind of incumbent uh, publications? Yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I think, you know, people care, they have audiences, you know, and their audiences are human beings, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're still reading the New York Times or, or, or Wall Street Journal or uh, Ad Age, Billboard, Tube Filter. So, you know, they're, they're reading these, you know, and people care about them. They have audiences, like audiences bigger than more, more people that these, these publications are covering. Um, you just need to know as a reporter who has that audience and not the one off in the audience. Who's not, not, I'm gonna write about this person now, but they're gonna fall off the face of earth in three months. So my story is really irrelevant in three, three months. And I think that's where someone like Taylor has nailed. She knows who has the audience, who has come and gone. If they have gone because she was wrong, why, what happened to them? You know I mean, show no. She just doesn't say like, oh, I messed up. I don't know what happened. No, no, no. This person self-destructed because they did this and they did that. And they did this bonehead move and blah, blah, blah. You know, she really does. She's, she's the best. She, she, uh, there's nobody like her, you know? And I, I've, I've told her that. I talked to her a couple of weeks ago. And I don't, she probably thought I was maybe trying to pitch a story to her, but I didn't even, wasn't even trying to do that. I was just want to tell her how awesome she is and what she's doing for the internet culture right now is awesome. There's going to be copycats, you know? I think maybe, I don't know. You've got to have some... You know, um, some some of these publications are so, you know, um, old school thinking that I don't know if they would, you know, um, hire someone like Taylor who will spend some time with TikTokers and travel with TikTokers to see, you know, what is this, you know, this this shift in culture. Um, you know, I think the the one publication that does a great job and because they really focus on this business is Tube Filter. Uh, tubefilter.com like those guys really get it and they're just I mean they're every article on that site I'm just like okay yeah all right I'm never reading an article saying this isn't for me or this is bs or oh that sucked like they they really so as a, as, as a reporter Taylor is the best out there and as a uh, and, and you know there's a lot of other great ones I just you know, she's she's just stands out to me as the 
the goat, you know, the greatest of all time right now. You know what I mean? Like she really is. She's, um, she's, um, and then, and then to filter as a, as an actual site does an incredible job. Others are starting to copy them, but they're doing Absolutely. a great job. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the last questions I have for you is, uh, as you think about creators as kind of this um, platform or micro platform, right? And then you've got the products that you can uh, really create as content. Help me understand the balance between what I'll call like more analog or physical products. So t-shirts, you know, uh, cosmetics, whatever, versus software products. So working with a creator to actually build like a, like a more scalable technology company that then gets piped through to their audience. How do you guys uh, kind of think through physical products versus software? Yeah, so um, right now, you know, our focus is physical products. It's something that, you know, because of Shopify and how easy they've made it, we're tr we're going down the route of getting physical products that our audience would um, would would like, would enjoy, would come back, would not feel ripped off buying, and that that's our focus now. Um, I've never thought of really virtual products. I mean, you know, I had one of the best apps in the world at one point, and you know, it was like a little bit like I'm still a little bit heartbroken on what happened. So I've never really, you know, I get an itch sometimes on like building another app, um, so, but then you know. I shoot the idea down within, you know, a few hours of thinking about the idea. And I just say, you know, don't be, you know, right now we look at us because we create for all platforms. We look at like the platforms as like, you know, as I use this example once and I actually got some weird tweets about it saying bad example. So I'm going to do it again is, um, is, you know, we look at the platforms as like, you know, if there's like a big war, cause they're all at war with each other. Um, we look at them as like countries at war and we're like the ones building the armory. You know, like we're just, you know, whatever your needs are. You need tanks, we got tanks. You need missile launchers, we got missile launchers. You need F-14s, we got F-14s. You know what I mean? We're the company, um, I always forget the company that, uh, the, you know, the, yeah, that builds all these down in, uh, I think, Texas. Um, but we want to be that for the platforms, you know? Oh, you got, you have vertical video that disappear in 24 hours? We got content for that. You know, you have 15 second videos, we got that, you know, you have, you know, even if we were to do something for Quibi, you know, which we haven't yet, but you know, oh, you want videos that look both, you know, great vertically and horizontally, we could do that. You know, we could just do anything. You want audio, you want music. Um, and, and so that, because of that, that's just like so fun. And there's such a need for that, that we don't really have, um, we're not really looking to build any software now. Now there are softwares that creators can team up with and if we find the right company we'll do that i was talking to a friend of mine um phase banks um he's from the part of the phase clan and one of the greatest human beings in the world and we we're just catching up yesterday we just moved not too far from each other and you know he was just telling me how you know how much money you know they're 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 uh, um esports um um crew and he was just telling me about how much money they make off like skins you know and the number was crazy crazy like way more i'm just thinking like Oh, and that's all profit. You know, you don't have to buy the product and build a fulfillment center, which is what we've done and, you know, deal with shipping and deal with, you know, all this. So you're just creating skins. Like that's just pure profitability. So if we get to that point where we can partner up with someone that makes sense and it makes sense for our audience, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. What's uh, what's one or two of the biggest lessons you've learned over the last call it, decade or so in, in the content business on the internet? Um, always be evolving. Can't be comfortable. 
you know, an average creator last career, last three years. Um, you know, like I said, you know, eventually people age up just like an average TV show last three years, you know, and then you have your, you know, Game of Thrones and these other ones that lots longer, but an average TV show last three years and average creators last three years. So don't, if the sink, if the sink is shipping, you don't have to jump, just figure out how to not sink and keep sailing, you know? So, um, you know, that, that's, that's the one thing I think, you know, when, 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 when the, when the ship is sailing, you know, I feel like, you know, they either, you know, you either drown with it or you just jump off. But I think, you know, you got to always be evolving. There's so many things to do, you know, like we just named all the different things that we didn't even really get into Snapchat or Twitter or, you know, um, I mean, who knows, you know, some of these Chinese platforms, um, yeah, the other Chinese platform, not the TikToks, but there's, there's, there's dozens of other ones in China. Uh, you know I mean? We haven't even talked about any of that. We haven't talked about uh, what's the one that reporters are using right now to write their own articles. Um, yeah, not medium, but there's a, like a medium. Substack. Substack. Yeah. Yeah. Them. You know what I mean? Like these are all places where you could like grow audiences. So keep, just keep doing that and don't be lopsided in one place. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask people now is, uh, what is the best decision you've made in your career? And what is the worst decision you've made in your career? The best decision I've made in my career has got to be building this studio and a studio that is not a, um, that is not focused on one thing, focus on different things. Because I'm someone that does go to sleep with ideas and dreams and new ideas and wakes up with new ideas. And, you know, to take away my anxiety um, or this, or not to take away the anxiety, but take away anxiety before it's built up is like just experimenting, you know, as a creative, many creative people, you know, they, they, they get their anxiety um, and which could lead to other bad, dark things, whether it's depression or drug use or anything like that, is you just have to, as a creative person, not let it sit in your subconscious mind and get it out. And I think that's one of the reasons why we build the studio. Like we can do almost anything. We record music, record videos, uh, film videos, uh, podcasts is, is that. And it's really helped me. And you know, not everything have we created has worked. We've done a lot of things that haven't worked as well, but at least I did it. You know, at least I'm happy about it. I don't regret anything that I've ever created, whether it worked or didn't work. We spent a lot of money on certain children's programming right before children's programming um, took a hit on monetization. I don't regret it. I loved it. You know, and when now we're doing other children's programming that's coming out of it, such as Benny the Bee. So, you know, like, the, the, you know, there's things that I, uh, you know, that that's the one thing that I'm really proud of is just keep, creating and don't have and let anything stop us. Um, the thing I'm not proud of, you know, I, you know, I mean, I mean, there's a, maybe a lot of little things, but there's not a, like a major thing that sticks out. And I think everything's always worked out, you know, um, moving from LA to San Francisco and back to LA worked out, helped save the company and helped me meet my fiance, you know, like, you know, so I can't say I would have like been at the place, you know, the, the, the same place and time I was, you know, if, and the, to meet her, if I didn't leave and come back. So there's, I mean, there's nothing, no, no mistakes. I mean, the one advice I have to give to anybody listening is, you know, always save your money. 
You know what I mean? Like if you want to experiment something, experiment small, don't go huge. Because if you save your money, you have money in your bank account, you could do the first thing I was just now talking about is you go experiment anything you want. You know, so, you know, we were lucky. We raised a lot of money for the app. We saved a lot of it to be able to make this pivot. We didn't have to bankrupt the company and start another company. You know what I mean? Like it was confusing some investors who invested into the app. But at the end of the day, we did a service to everybody, every investor. They came along with the journey, you know, but we did that because we were very, always very careful with how much we spent, no matter what it was. And you guys know, and those who know, who are listening, you know how expensive rent and developers in San Francisco can be. And we always, you know, we didn't go and get the biggest place. We always treated it as if we were running on seed, uh, seed round money. And I think that's the one thing that I have to say that, you know, mistakes that I've almost made, but I didn't make is like blowing through money. Um, you, know, being, you know, if you don't blow through money, you can save and evolve and experiment. You know, I said, you know, I mentioned R&D earlier. You know, we have an R&D division, but it's not an R&D division that gets $4 million a year to build whatever it wants. You know, it's, it's like, hey, build this. You have a $1,500 budget. You know, I know what I said sounds like it's going to cost 20 grand and I want it to look like it costs 50 grand, but you have 1500 bucks to experiment that. You know what I mean? And that's what, that's one bit of advice I have to give any content creator or anyone who's getting into the production business. You know, people blow through cash a lot. You hear about companies raising a billion and then, you know, filing for bankruptcy years later, you know, um, you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, it's like alcohol, sometimes the cheaper, the better, you know? Um, so, you know, so, you know, you, you don't have to spend a lot of money to create content on the internet. So don't do it. I love it. That's great advice. Uh, two questions to finish up and then you're going to get to ask mm -hmm. me one. Uh, the first one is more serious, which is what is the most important book that you've ever read? Mm. Most important book I've ever read. Um, you know, I try not to read too many business books, so I don't can't really say recommend a book that is relevant to everything we just talked about this past hour. Um, I think the most important book I've ever read has to be the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, it really, um, but I read it early. I read it when I was, I think, fifteen years old, and to me, like it, um, it taught me a lesson at fifteen to don't feel sorry for myself, you know, like the world is going to be very, um, the world could be very cruel. Um, hopefully not as cruel to me as it has been to other people, but if it is just keep, keep your head up and keep going. And that's the one thing I remember just always feeling. And even if I felt bullied or, you know, felt down or just felt made to be inadequate growing up, that song, that, or that, that book always gave me courage. I recommend the book. Now, then I recommend the movie with Spike Lee and Denzel Washington after. I don't recommend ever watching it before because I, I don't know, maybe you can, but I watched the movie after and it just kind of like visualized everything that I had just read that, uh, it, but the book is, is just something else that I tried to actually advise a lot of friends and they hit some off guard. I was like, oh, I thought you were going to tell me what, uh, to read the Steve Jobs um, autobiography. I was like, no, or biography. I was like, no, no, you can read that too. I'm sure that's good. But read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Love that answer. You're the first person to recommend that one. So that's a, yeah, it's that's great. a great recommendation. It's great. I hope, I hope, please, you, um, 
Um, anyone listening, please let me know after you read it. Let me know if I was right, wrong. It's been a long time since I've read it. So let remind me of some of your favorite parts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question is more fun, which is uh, aliens, believer or non-believer? Um, man, you asked somebody else this in a podcast. It's a question you always ask, right? Yeah. You always ask, yeah, I remember hearing and I remember starting to think about it <laughs> and then I got freaked out, which means I've got to be a believer. Um, I don't know much. I probably don't know much more than almost anybody here, except for, uh, who was the president? I, you know, I, I, I forgot what president, I think it was the president before Kennedy, um, had a, like, there's like this article like online that he had a meeting with the aliens out in like the desert in California. Yeah. There's a, there's like one of the U S presidents had a meeting. It was like a legitimate site. I don't remember which site, but it was, it wasn't like, you know, aliens one two three dot net like it was like a legitimate like publication that I actually like written it like one of the newspapers back then read an article that so and so um had a meeting so you know i i think they're there um i i, I personally you know maybe this is like just how i feel in just general life is i think they're harmless you know i don't think they're gonna come here and suck the soul out of us and throw us back or you know what i mean i don't think it's like that um, I think they're going to, you know, but I don't know, but actually maybe they're not though. Maybe they do do that. Cause I feel like we would do that to them if we landed on one of their planets. So, you know, um, you know, I know they're there, you know, are they kind of come after me? I don't know. Um, but I do think, I do think there's definitely like, it's very egotistic. I think to say there is not, um, any other life but us, you know, I think there's gotta be life out there. Now, I don't think it's how, you know, these Hollywood movies over the last few decades have kind of portrayed them because they have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, right? It's one of these Just things. like we didn't get flying cars. You know what I mean? Just like, they're, just like they were right about flying cars in 2000. It's supposed to be now, isn't it? You know, like, we, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think they're right. We, instead, we got, uh, what, what is Tesla? They've got the, uh, like, crazy mode or whatever. You press the button and... Uh, oh, and yeah, that, it's like a disco. Yeah, or and, and I think uh, also just goes like incredibly fast or whatever, right? And it's oh, like, I, I don't know that one. Yeah, yeah, they got a button I think in the, in one version of the car where you basically press it and it just you know takes off. And so yeah, it's like right. we get flying cars, but we got discos and uh, and like yeah. uh, I've seen a disco stuff. mode one. A disco mode. One of the creators we work with, she has a Tesla, and like she hits a button and it starts like doing something <laughs> crazy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> You know, yeah, I think Elon was like on something, you know, like when he's designing those things, but God bless him and his brain. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Like, like I've actually, because of Sherpa, I actually have had expensive time with him. And the dude is just, you know, it's what you see is what you get with him. And um, yeah, I think, I think he's an incredible person. And I think when it comes to innovation, I, I believe he's just getting started. You know, I think this is all they want for Elon Musk. Love that. Uh, you get to ask me one question to wrap up. What, uh, what one question do you have? Let's see. What, um, I'm not going to ask that too basic. Where do you see, actually, I want to ask this, but more for me and even listeners, because I talk about podcasts so much, where do you see podcasts going? Like why, you know, wh where do you see it? And, you know, and kind of maybe a second question, but relevant to the first question is and why has it been so explosive in the last couple of years yeah uh so 
I don't know for sure, right? Obviously, just my personal opinion. Um, the two things I would say is, uh, I think podcast, uh, I forget who said this to me. It just, it just stuck in my head when they said it. But the idea that right now you have AirPods in your ear and you hear someone's voice in your ear, that's a very intimate experience, right? You're just hearing them and it's just so close and kind of intrusive in some way, but you're inviting it in. Um, I think that is a really big piece of it. It's a very different medium than watching somebody or, uh, you know, consuming an Instagram post or, or whatever, for whatever reason, it's just like podcast audio only in your ear, very intimate experience. So I think that is one piece of it. The second piece is it's very repeatable and it's very um, kind of action oriented, meaning that uh, I can open up Instagram and I'm kind of at the uh, will of Instagram. So the feed may give me your content. It may give me somebody else's. It may give me whoever else's. Now they're trying to predict what I want, right? So, so there's an element of like, uh, they're trying to give me that. But for a podcast, I actually have to click and say play, right? And so that action of like, I, I'm constantly coming back and I'm listening to John's podcast and I'm actively clicking in and, and playing it it builds this habitual thing where like, again, to your point, like people become fans, right? They, they literally, that they're there uh, because they want to be there. It's not something where they just are kind of mindlessly scrolling and it counts as a view or, or whatever. And so I think that naturally people pay more attention to things that they actively have to, to engage in. Um, and, and so when you think of it from that standpoint, it feels like a, uh, a medium where if you can build the repeatability, right, and kind of the retention of people listening over and over and over again, that relationship between the creator and the audience is goes much deeper than, let's say, if somebody follows me on Instagram, right? So if you said to me, like, hey, pick a platform where somebody is a follower subscriber, I would say either Twitter or podcast. Now, Twitter for me is just because I create so much content there. Or the podcast is like, if I can get somebody to listen to a podcast every day or multiple times a week, like that is such a strong relationship with that person. They're going to understand, you know, everything that I talk about. They're going to understand everything the guests talk about, right? They're going to learn a lot. But like, it's such a deep relationship that I think uh, people probably don't listen to like hundreds of podcasts, right? They probably have, you mm -hmm. know, 10 or less. And so you just go much deeper on that medium with those 10 people versus, you know, at this point, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever, like people subscribe because the platform has been around for so long, so many different people that it's much harder, I think, to build that like deep relationship with, uh, with, with the audience. Yeah. 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 No, no that makes sense. Um, and, and I think it's really maybe the only way to do it, unless you actually do a thing where, Hey, you can come and sit down with me, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, but you know, how, how are you going to scale that? No, those are both very helpful. And you're right. You're right about the AirPods in your ear and you know and now you can find them almost anywhere um it's just crazy to me and i think about this all the time and i even think about this sometimes when my mom calls with spotify is how did apple not just own this like how did they let this go you know like here's the thing so i keep hearing this right and i hear it from creators i hear it from uh like management companies i even hear it from other like um podcast like service companies whether they do hosting or, or whatever but every single creator i talk to 50 percent of downloads come from apple and it feels like you know i think to your point like they're not even trying 
right? Like they're, they're not going out and acquiring a bunch of content. They're not doing a bunch of things. Spotify has made a massive push. You know, it's a, a priority at the company that they're, they're built a team and like, and they're really going after it. But every creator I talk to 50% of downloads come from Apple. And I yeah. think, I, I think it's really just, they're on the iPhone devices. Most likely, you know, for me, mo- I think 50, 60% of the audience is in the U S Right. So you only get 40 to 50% outside the U S the iPhone market share penetration in the U S is off the charts. Right. And then Android kind of internationally, you know, really makes up for it. And so Mm -hmm. when you think of it that way, it's like, it's very weird that they haven't tried, or at least it appears they haven't tried, but they still 50% compared to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. They're still 50%, but those numbers are going to change as the audience gets younger, right? Like now you're seeing a lot of content creators launching their podcasts. You're going to see a lot of TikTok creators launch podcasts. Um, and that audience is, that's going to be a younger audience, which is always almost has been Android. I mean, it was, it was almost all Android at one point and now they hand me down phones that, you know, are becoming older iPhones, but it's still Android. And as the audience gets international into markets like, you know, say you know, get down to Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, you know, these are all top markets. I mean, Indonesia is not really a top market for Spotify. That's a top market for YouTube and, and, and others. But, you know, these, these market, you know, as, as you, these audiences start growing, you know, podcasts become a thing and non Apple penetrated markets, you know, they're really going to lose a lot more market share. You know, I could tell you right now, like Apple music consumption for songs in Brazil is something, you know, is like less than 10%. I even think, I don't know. I know it's definitely less than 10%. I even think it's maybe even one or 2%, you know, and, you know, but the music is a little bit different because, you know, someone in Brazil who, you know, uh, which most of their population speaks Portuguese will still listen to a song by, uh, you know, a non-Brazilian artist. Um, They might not listen to an hour podcast. So, but still, like, there's still like market share, you know, I mean, Brazilians, um, when when Brazil gets into podcasts, I mean, they have already, like, I know Spotify had like a, um, some roadshow down there and some like 600 different creators showed up at the Spotify one. So, but once podcasts really blow up in Brazil, whether it's in Portuguese or, or English, um, Apple's gonna have none of that market share, zero. You know what I mean? Like if music's only a couple percent, what's podcasts, you know, gonna be? So, and Spotify is just going to own that or, or YouTube whenever, you know, they're, you know, I mean, everyone uploads clips onto YouTube, but, are almost everyone up those clips on YouTube, but if YouTube actually, you know, gets into that has a podcast division vertical team, you know, they'll, they'll be on Spotify or YouTube. And it just blows my mind that Apple would, but, but it doesn't blow my mind. Maybe they're like, I don't care about podcasts. You know what I mean? We're selling millions of these devices at thousands of dollars. Like shut up about free podcasts. You know, we got like, two hundred billion dollars of cash or whatever it is, right? Like, that's what I mean. Like, maybe we'll like we Spotify. don't care. We're, yeah, we'll buy everybody. Well, you know, what I mean, we're yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll buy Spotify. We'll buy you know. I mean, they can't buy any Google products, but they could buy Spotify. Um, they could buy almost anyone else. It's not a you know top tech company, so uh, or top five tech company. But um, yeah, maybe that's what it is. You know, and I always think to myself, like even music, like how are they not so much more bigger? But then I'm not. You know, or even a lot of things, even like the 
the Mac Mail app is so bad. And I'm like, if I don't care, go ahead and use Gmail. You know what I mean? Just give us the thousand bucks for the phone, okay? Like, shut up and just give us the thousand bucks and $3,000 for the laptop and that's it. So, somehow everything keeps getting more expensive, right? Remember when the iPhone was, you know, 600 bucks or 700 bucks, right? Now mm-hmm. it's a thousand. I remember what computers, right? They keep seem to get more and more expensive. So yeah, it's something. But it was something Apple did drop the ball on and actually alex i think alex talks about it with you on your one of your previous podcast episodes is um um in home hardware yeah like how did they let that one slip because it's too late at this point i mean yeah i'm i'm a google guy so i use all nest products but you know between google and amazon you know like you know maybe facebook portal maybe but you know between google and amazon like how are you even going to come close to competing with that? So like, I think like that, I don't know. I don't know. I think, so, you know, I won't see the, that changing, you know, but again, maybe don't care. That's fine. Go ahead. Use the, 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 the doorbell for 200 bucks. Just buy our phone. You know, it's not $1,500. It's not 2000. It's now 3000, you know? So it's going to be interesting to yeah. see what they do. Cause they got the big push into services now. And uh, you know, they're, uh, they're doing pretty well, but I, I definitely agree that there's areas where UI and others would have thought they went and didn't. So yeah, interesting. definitely. All right, John, listen, I really appreciate I taking the time to do this. This is fantastic. I think yeah, we'll learn yeah. a ton and uh, we'll have to do it again. In the I future. hope so. Yeah. I would love to anytime.